Hello, hello, and a third hello. Welcome to Don't Forget Your Towel. I'm your host and GM, Azul, and this is the very last episode of Soth. Yes, you heard me, the final episode. It's definitely been quite an amazing run, and we've had a lot of fun playing it. So if you want to check Soth out, you'll find the link in the description below. Before we get into things, I personally want to give you all my sincerest apologies for the incredibly late release of this week's episode. The team's been quite a bit stressed and really busy with their day jobs, and it's honestly been particularly hard for us to find the time to manage the production and the editing of the podcast alongside the lengthy work hours. I had a particularly bad preceding week with my company doing what companies do best, screwing over their employees. And I didn't get much time this week because I had to handle the fallout from the aforementioned screwing over and the inevitable mental health crises that tend to follow. I can only hope at this point that all of you are having a better week than I am. And if you're not, well, we're sending our love and our hugs and our understanding. I know that it can get really hard and everything may seem to be going wrong at the same time, but it's important that you all know that you can do it things will get better, and life just occasionally hates us, you know, and we'll, well, it's, it's, it's not like, it, it's not like it's a constant thing. There's, there's, there's a silver lining to whatever's going on, and that silver lining may unfortunately only be that the future is better, the future is brighter, but as long as we hold that thought close to us and keep our chins up and and do what we can, I sincerely believe that we can get past these troubling stuff. I know you probably get tired of hearing me say it all the time, but I do sincerely hope that you're all doing well. Better than well, honestly. I hope you're all having a great time. I hope your lives are brilliant and you're happy and and things are turning over to a new leaf. A good leaf. A greener grass, greener pastures, all those idioms together, you know? Honestly, now that we're here, I'm actually quite glad because there were quite a few times earlier this week where we genuinely didn't think that we'd be able to release the episode. I guess the moral of the story is sleep is a lie. <laughs> okay, actually, no, no, that's not true at all. Please, please make sure that you get your rest. All work and no sleep is definitely, definitely not a healthy lifestyle. Also, my lawyers have been telling me that I can't advocate for that, so... Yeah. Anyway, make sure you engage in the appropriate number of pre-listening to podcast naps, sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Previously on Don't Forget Your Towel. Myrtle's missing. Myrtle is missing. She saw some things yesterday that she shouldn't have seen. 
you notice the chief exiting the inn. Oh, chief, wait. Just following a few leads, that, that's all miss. No need to worry about anything. The officer was just saying that some crime had been committed? The chief was saying that. I was just following a few leads. Well, I hope this doesn't have anything to do with poor Mr. Carruthers. Next time, don't speak to my parents without a lawyer. I know how you people are. I want to collect Theo. You head to Theo's house and you're told that he is not here at the moment. That Myrtle picked him up already. And I just start heading towards the house. When you get to your house, the first thing that you notice is that the door is ajar. I check the bathtub. You walk into the bathroom and you come to the bathtub, the empty bathtub. Oh, for the... Where did the sacrifice go? Benjamin? Ain't you a sight for sore eyes? How is life on the outside? Well, it has been an eventful day. Uh, uh, uh be- Betsy. Uh, Betty. Betty? Another name. Somebody who has been snooping around our business. Betty Mavis. I have already taken care of that loose end. Well, we should hurry along with our plans as soon as possible. Is there anything in the tome that might be able to help us deal with any uh, unwanted attention? As the holder, I do have the power to summon a supernatural entity that can do my bidding. Worst come to worst. Where is he? Where, where is he? You both immediately recognize it to be the almost childish-like voice of Ephraim Brown. And he grabs onto the keys from the police officer and starts reading the labels on them frantically, trying to find the right key to open your cell, which he does quite quickly. But almost immediately then, you hear shouts and sounds coming from the outside. The sounds get louder and in walk two men, one of them profusely bleeding and barely conscious, being held onto and led towards you by the other man, another cop. Sit him down, everybody. Make some make some room, make some room. Are you kidding me, man? There is there is very little time here. Look, look at him, can't you see he's a foot away from death? The elder one else. They were they were trying to kill me. We need... That's that's Myrtle's house. We've got we've got to go help. I'm gonna ask Kathleen to take care of him, and that is actually going to be in order as well. They're gonna hear take care of him. You're gonna hear take care of him. Of course. And I'm going to demand that the police take me to Myrtle's house. Am I left alone with him? Well, alone is a strong word. There is a police officer like maybe a few meters away, uh, just trying to radio the person. And do I see anything around me, like sharp objects around? Perhaps the closest option to you is the letter opener. Okay, I'm going to take one and just hide it up my sleeve. And I want to slide it into his wounds to kind of deepen them and make him bleed out quicker. Shh, it's going to be all right. We'll get you help. Everything will be all right. And I'll just cover his mouth and then just sort of slip the knife in and pull it out again and quickly hide it up my sleeve. He pulls your hand off of his mouth very easily and he just screams, to be honest. And immediately the other police officer runs up. What happened? I, I don't know. I, I just, I was trying to calm him and he started screaming. I don't, I don't know what's happening. The bleeding man who's been struggling and trying to do something stops suddenly. He grabs onto the police officer's shirt and pulls him close, whispering something into his ears before slowly letting go as he fades into nothingness. On Christmas
There is almost a tangible moment of silence as the light fades from the dying man's eyes. Um, and I'm just kind of standing there, like, looking shocked. The policeman also shares your shock. He doesn't seem to know what to do, but eventually he takes a deep breath and closes the man's eyes. Then he silently walks up to the radio and resumes trying to contact the chief. But this time, his voice sounds much more urgent than before. What do you do? I think I'm just gonna leave. As you're leaving, the police officer who went out to get the water comes back in, clumsily holding on to a full or half full pail of water. He gives you a quizzical look. What are you doing? And I just kind of walk off with this blank expression on my face, like I'm just so, I'm so devastated. I'm so grief stricken. I can't even, I can't even speak. I'm just walking. Oof, cinematic. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to end the scene there. <laughs> Damn. Kat's doing lots of killing today. Yeah, clarity again, Kat. <laughs> yep, Kat's clarity is climbing up pretty steeply. That's five, isn't it? Yep. Damn, damn, Kat's damn. I now have the highest clarity. Benji, are you heading towards the Elderwood house? I figure that that's the best kind of place to start. My goal at the moment, of course, is under the guise of trying to look for Myrtle, I'm looking for Sage. Well, it doesn't take long for you to see Sage walking down the street. Ephraim is driving because he insisted, as he was worried that you would crash the car given your emotional state. But you do see Sage. You recognize her way before Ephraim does. What are you doing, Sage, on the road? I am slowly walking, dragging my shovel behind me and calling out for Myrtle and occasionally for Theo. And how's Ephraim responding? Ephraim does not know Sage anywhere near as well as you do, so you know that Ephraim will not realize it's Sage until much, much later. Right, of course. Oh, wait, stop here. Uh, what do you mean? Just pull over. Uh, okay, just just give me a second. And he slowly pulls over to the same side that Sage is walking on. And I'm going to uh, leap out of the car as quickly as I can, somewhere near Sage, of course. And I'm going to very kind of panic um, or hurriedly say, Oh, Sage, this is Ephraim Brown. He just helped me from the sheriff's station. He says that Myrtle's gone missing. Benji, I'm so glad you're here. Um, yeah, I, I haven't been able to find her anywhere. Apparently, Theo is with her, but... I have no idea where they are. She's taken Theo. I, I have no idea. I, I'm going to turn back to Ephraim and I'm going to uh, just say, uh, th- this is uh, this is Sage. She is uh, my uh, my sister's uh, partner. They're, they're married. Uh, uh, she says that uh, the Myrtle may have uh, kidnapped a boy. And I'm saying this so Sage can't hear. Oh. Ephraim looks shocked. He stutters for a moment and says, but, but Benji, you, you said, Look, oh, I thought... I have no... I, I, honestly, I have no idea what's going on, but we need to get to Wait, so, uh, the, uh, their house as soon as possible. Uh, Benji, are you, are you saying that, and I want to get this correct, 
because you're my friend and this this matters. Are you saying your sister could be could have look I to that do, man? I do not have all the answers yet, but Theo is a fifteen year old boy, and he has nothing to do with what kind of enemy does a child like that have? Look, we'll find. I'm sure we'll find some of the answers back at the house, and I'm going to call back to Sage. Sage, we're going back to your home to make sure that everything is okay. Is that all right with you? I'll just say there's nothing left there and continue walking. What do you mean? Sage, what do you mean? My shovel's like dragging along the gravel. Uh, and I'm going to turn to uh, Ephraim. Look, I'm going to check on her. You go make sure that get a look at whatever's going on at the house and you come back and pick us up, okay? Will you? Something's clearly happened and I need to check on Sage to make sure that they're okay. Are you sure? I can... Look, whatever it is, I trust you. I'm not sure what you're going to find, but just keep an open mind, okay? My sister, she's she's not right in the head. Just keep an open mind, okay? And I'm going to start following Sage. Yeah, Ephraim swears and runs up to his car, gets in and then just drives off towards the Elderwood house. Um, and I'm going to catch up with Sage. Sage, what, what's happened? The, um, what's his name? James. James, uh, he got out. Uh, Dottie and I, uh, we were keeping him there in case we, in case we needed him. Um, and when I got back, he was... It was gone. I don't think I ever actually asked his name, did I? I don't know this guy. You do not know. I don't yeah. actually know this guy. If it's who I think you're talking about, I think that uh, I think that man may have made it to the police station. Now, I'm not sure what the police know, but what I do know is that everything that we have been working towards is in danger. We need, we need to finish this third ritual tonight. Can I count on you? And I just kind of like say the tome. We need... We need the tome. Can I trust you? Benji, we can find Myrtle if we have the tome. I'm sure of it. Um, and I'm going to kind of take a deep breath and I'm going to put both my hands on uh, Sage's shoulders. I'm going to say, I don't know how to tell you this, but the third sacrifice is Myrtle. No, no, it can't be. She, she's at the library she, right now. I know I made promises to you, but there are greater callings to what needs to be done. And I need you. I need to know that I can count on you. Look at what she's done. Look at what she has wrought upon you and your house. What she's done? Do you think that that man, do you think that that boy bleeding out in this police station would be there if not for her? Do you think that any of these people who are currently in danger would not be there because of her meddling? I don't, I don't care about James. I don't care about anyone else. I only care about Myrtle. And I care about doing what's right by Soth. And I know that sacrificing Myrtle is not the right thing to do. Well, if that's how you feel, then we need to figure it out. We'll talk to Kathleen when we get there. I know that not all of these uh, sacrifices have gone uh, according to plan. In fact, one could argue that maybe none of them have exactly gone according to plan. But I, I trust that when the time comes, you will be strong enough to make the right decisions. And who knows, maybe maybe there's some kind of alternative that we can focus on when we get there. Yes, Benji. What What is Ephraim going to find in that house? Uh, oh, God. Uh, I, did, I, I don't even know. Maybe, maybe blood. Maybe he won't notice it, but he'll probably find something. Then you need to get your story straight, okay? If not, whatever stance you take, either he attacked Myrtle or Myrtle attacked him. We need to clarify. We need to get our stories aligned. 
if we're going to make it through this night. Now, what happened? Yeah. Well, last night, uh, a stranger showed up on our doorstep and, you know, we invited him in. We were friendly. And at some point, he... You invited him in. You've just been... Good Samaritans, just helping a stranger who may have lost their way. Exactly, yeah. How did he repay that kindness? Did he attack Myrtle? Did something happen between the two of you, perhaps? He's not from this town. He doesn't understand. He doesn't... He perhaps wanted to just rob you or accused you of uh, the disappearance of his friend, or maybe perhaps he was a part of it. Maybe one day you saw him burying his friend in the forest. Exactly, yeah. And he he was trying to pin it on us because we, we're always in the forest, right? It would immediately make us seem suspicious. So he was going to put the blame on us and things got heated and maybe it was self-defense. It was self-defense. Okay. Well, that's the story that we will stick with then. But our priority right now. What time is it? Uh, four, five, six. Yeah, very close. Four, five, six. Now, I mentioned, I made mention that he is currently in the police station, but there is good news. There is some silver lining in that. The Kathleen is also there. Now, if we can get our story straight, get to where we need to be, and perhaps maybe it's him that we can use as sacrifice instead of Myrtle. But we need to make that decision when we get to the library, you hear me? Yes, well, if Myrtle's at the library, I we need to go there first. I need to see her and I need to explain. Okay, and um, yeah, maybe that's when Ephraim comes back. Yep, yep. Um, I will say that during that time, I'm trying to console uh, Sage and say, you know, the decisions you're making right now are going to help all of us out. Are really, like you're doing, uh, carrying the burdens of all of us in the cult. And we appreciate everything that they're doing. Yeah. When Ephraim arrives to give you a lift again, what reason do you give to go to the library? Well, actually, um, we first need to deal with what he's seen. True, yeah. So when he arrives, I guess it all depends on like what he's telling us. Yeah, he's not in any way a particularly forensically inclined individual. Yeah. Stammering, he tells you that he saw signs of a struggle, blood splatter, other random things that he noticed that is, as far as you can tell, of no consequence. Okay. But he concludes that there were no signs of myrtle. I had a word with Sage, and uh, whoever that man was, the man back at the station. The stranger, yes. What about him? Yeah, it looks like they may have um, unfortunately been witnesses to a crime of some sort and through a fit of passion here, uh, and I'm going to kind of like pull him aside from Sage. It looks like he may have uh, attacked the two girls. Now, my sister is a, a, a passionate person as well, and um, often not of herself. She may have uh, fled the scene to uh, protect herself and maybe even the boy, uh, Theo, now, I, I hope I hope you keep an open mind about this, Ephraim, because I, I love my family. You've met my kids. You've been to my house. Benji, we've, we've, been, we've been friends for the longest time, okay? At the moment, my priority is making sure everything is okay. So if we need to find your sister to sort this out, we can sort it out then. I've, I've got your back, friend. Thank you so much. Now, um, Sage has a couple of ideas about where we might find Myrtle. Oh, okay. And uh, if you could just drop us off in town. We'd like to um, investigate a few of our regular uh, haunts, perhaps um, near the uh, the garden center or the gardens around the library, uh, perhaps. Do you know Myrtle at all? No, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I've never... I mean, we, we, we hung out as children, surely, but I haven't seen her since mm. uh, the family problems. 
Now, Myrtle has a love of uh, nature and uh, things around her that sort. So um, perhaps around there would be a good place to start. Okay. Do you think you could take us there and then check on the boy? To make sure that he's still alive? Oh, of course. Yes, no, certainly. Let, 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 let's uh, get in. Okay. Uh, Sage. Uh, yes, Benji. I'm going to let uh, Sage jump in first mm-hmm. and just kind of like motion towards the truck. Yeah. yeah. I'll hop in. As you're both being driven in Ephraim's car, you find yourselves drawn to look out through the car's window at the sky above. And although the two of you don't know this, at the very same time, Dottie was drawn to look up as well, as was Kath. And as you all look into the sky, you all see it, apart from the dimming brightness of the sun. A blue hue that seems to expand and pulsate from the north. And while you're looking at this, for some reason, it fills you all with a sense of joy, with a sense of ecstasy. You can't help but find yourselves smiling. And with that, I think the next scene will be at the library, was it? Um, I, I, I would say perhaps with Kathleen. Yeah, so are you guys heading to meet me at the library? Well, Kath, if you're going to the library, I think you'll be passing by the inn as well if you wanted to meet with Dottie. Yeah, I, I think I will go and see if I can get Dottie to come. Like, we've already discussed that it's not necessary, but, you know, since we've got time, um, I will go and see if she's around. What? and this is a question for both of you what method do you usually use to get in contact with Dottie when you need to meet up for one of your cultist gatherings especially when Dottie is indoors I know that you've done this many many times before Kath because you're usually the person who often has to get everybody together being the holder of the tome and generally speaking you kind of don't want to publicize your intentions so how do you usually go about doing this covertly I mean um, do you think there's a back door that I could, with like a secret knock or something? Or Yeah, um, I'd say there's definitely a back door. Um, but if you were likely to knock, then my parents would be just as likely to come to the yeah. door. Um, so maybe you, there's like a, a bird call that you can make. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. <laughs> like a New Zealand bird call. What What does the call sound like, Erin? <laughs> um, yeah, it sounds like... like that. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay. okay. Wonderful. So I hear that and I know to come to the back door. Uh, yeah. And greet Kath. Yeah. So ask her what's up. I don't know that we have to make this a scene. I, um, think I think so. we can probably just go through it. Yeah. Yeah. I just let her know that actually we've decided to do the ritual tonight and that she should come to the library as soon as possible kind of thing. What time is it? Uh, at this point, it's probably all around six o'clock. It's getting close. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, good. I was just wrapping up with the, well, uh, we just closed up happy hour. Yeah, happy hour is from five till six. So we've just finished that up, um, the rush. So um, I'll just, my parents at this point will notice if I go out, but it's not my curfew yet. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to give them a, a know I have to head out um, some stuff with the library, give them a kiss on the cheek and uh, head out. Yeah, so obviously they remind you again to be back before curfew, but they do let you go. Shall we skip to the next scene, or is there something else you would like to do before Benji and Sage arrive at the library? I mean, I'll prepare Dottie for the uh, extra body that we'll we'll discover in the temple, but um, (laughs) I'll let her know what happened there. But otherwise, yeah, there's nothing that I want to do. So in that case, let's jump right to the scene. Ephraim's just dropped both of you off at the library. Take it away. Yeah, I'm just going to make my way inside because... 
I'm under the impression that Myrtle is probably in the temple at the moment. So Ephraim is here? He parked outside, I believe. And I I told him to go check on um, James to make sure that James is okay. Okay, great. Yeah, then I'll head inside as well. As we enter, I would like to address Kath and and just say, are preparations done? Are we ready? We are ready now that we are all gathered. Now, I've I've had a conversation with Sage in regards to um, what is going to happen down there. And I've let her know that uh, Myrtle is uh, currently downstairs. Now, I believe that Sage and I have come to an agreement as to some alternative if we have time uh, in regards to the sacrifice. And I would like to, uh, I would just like to confer with uh, everyone else downstairs uh, before we prepare. Uh, would you mind keeping Sage uh, a bit of company while, while I prepare her? Of course. In fact, Sage, I was just about to get the tome. Perhaps you might like to view it. Uh, yes, yes, actually, yes. I need to see it, please. Um, I'll, I'll wait here. Very good. Just please bring me the tome. Lovely. And I'll go and get the stuff. I'm going to go down into the temple, uh, leaving Sage there with Kath. And as I come in, I I guess I'm going to be like slightly surprised to see Dottie. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to, as I may like see them, I'm just going to say, um, I need your help. Right, of course. With what? Um, so we haven't necessarily had time to dress everything, right? Like this kind mm. of is uh, this is less ceremonial than everything else. Yeah, yeah. And there's three dead bodies. <laughs> yeah, three dead bodies. Um, did we leave any of the robes down here? I think I took back most of the ceremonial stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now. I'm going to pick up, I'm going to pick up Betty and I'm going to place her on the altar and I'm going to cover her up with whatever I have around uh, so that when Sage comes down, she thinks that this is Myrtle. (laughs) Sage knows about the other two bodies, but not necessarily about Betty. That's true. Now, uh, during this time, I'm I'm asking Dottie to kind of help me prep this. Every now and then, Sarth will test us and ask us to make decisions that we may not be comfortable with. Do you think that in all his grace and all his light, that you will, as a true believer, be able to follow through with his with his demands, with his desires? Can we count on you? I've already made the ultimate sacrifice for Soth. We all have made sacrifices, and I know that with his ever-seeing gaze on upon us now, that all that we have done to get to this point has been for good reason. Now, Dottie, I need you to know that the next sacrifice is one of our own, and I need to be able to count on you to see this through. Who do you want it to be? I'm going to look towards the door. Mm-hmm. Do you want to give Sage an opportunity here? Because we kind of both left her up alone up there. Oh, well, I just went to get the tome and came out, so I would have left her yeah. for like five minutes probably okay and now i'm just letting her look at the tome i guess okay but if sage wants to do anything um did he like give me the tome i won't let you hold it like without me also holding it but i will (laughs) let you like touch the pages and stuff okay meanwhile what is going in the basement um i'm looking towards the door and as i am become certain that no one is listening no one is about to walk in on us i'm going to turn to dotty and say it's sage Time and time again, that girl has brought nothing but trouble to our coven, to our alcohol. And I've tried my best to give her nothing but patience and understanding when it comes to my sister. But my patience is wearing thin. And our gracious God, Soth, demands the blood of one of us. And I see no blood fit for sacrifice more than hers. 
I haven't mentioned this, but when the new world comes, it will require a new leader, someone to welcome his grace into not only the world, but our hearts. I can't do that by myself. And according to the rules, the Tome Keeper can't do that either. I see a leader in you, Dottie. I see. In me? Yes. The sacrifices you've been willing to make, the actions that you have been willing to, you are going to welcome in this new world. But in order to do that, you need to be ready to make these kinds of sacrifices. Yeah. Now, I'm so sorry, my child. I'm so sorry about what happened with Izzy. I can assure you that this will be the last, the last sacrifice we will need to make in the eyes of Soth before we welcome him in. You are one step from greatness, child. Don't squander it. Now, when, when they come in, Sage is going to believe that this is Myrtle. She needs to believe that this is Myrtle. So we can do whatever we can to keep her spirits up before we move along with this sacrifice then. I feel like we will have done right by Sage and of course right by Soth. How about you, um, you, you go and get them and I'll finish things up here. Okay. And I, Dottie is stunned and, you know, remarkably timid in this situation. <laughs> and she goes to the door to go and join Kathleen and Sage. Yeah, uh, before that, before that happens. Yeah, before, so wh- while you're having the conversation, so let's go back in time slightly. Yeah. Uh, so while that's going on, uh, so I've answered your question, Michaela, what would you do now? So, I see when we both kind of have our hands on the book at the moment. Mm-hmm. I am going to, after five minutes, pick up my shovel and swing it at Kat. <gasps> Does she hit me? Let's see. So we are in a conflict at the moment and we'll be doing the actions now. Sage is trying to hit you over the head, Kath. What would you like to do? I suppose I'm trying to dodge. Yes, and Sage has got the initiative. Yup. Hmm. I, I won't seize initiative. Okay, so Sage, can you elaborate on how you're going to strike her? Because depending on the method, the damage will be different. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm just going to pick it up and give a classic swing and try and like aim for the head. Are you using both your hands? Yeah. Yup, okie dokie. Yeah, you're incredibly successful. There's a loud clang and crack, the distinctive sound of metal against bone. Kath, you're just flung down onto the ground. You take two points of damage and honestly, you're really not in a good way, Kath. <laughs> yeah. When you fall down, you also let go of the book, flinging it to the side. At this point, it's quote-unquote your turn, but I'm not really sure what you can do. Yeah, I guess I'm like in shock and in pain. I'm like, ah! <laughs> I'm going to run into the restricted section and like try to run into the temple, basically. So determining how well you're doing, I think you're partially successful because you're reeling from the pain and the fact that you're prone and the fact that this is a surprise and all of that. Yeah. Like you don't succeed in running, but you manage to crawl towards the restricted okay. section. Now I'll be yelling out for Benji as well. Yeah. Sage, what do you do when this is happening? I throw the shovel to one side, immediately go to the book and I want to use the ability to summon a servitor. (gasps) So, to summon a servitor, Sage, you must first physically touch the Tome of Soth, which you're doing. You must then increase your clarity by one and draw a specific symbol to summon this servitor somewhere in the summoning space in a way that is prominent and permanent. You then need to describe to us what the symbol is. Okay going to be a circle at five points around the circle there's going to be symbols that's kind of like a dead language i guess 
So each symbol is a different letter of that language. So now, the three of you not named Sage may give an additional detail about the ritual that Sage is doing in order to summon the servitor. And she gets to choose whichever one she likes the most. I'm kind of a classic when it comes to stuff like this. <laughs> like, it's it's just going to need blood, that's all, to like offer yourself to Soth in order to, in return, gain something from him. Mm -hmm. So just, yeah. Damn, that was going to be mine. Uh, you can agree. You can you can have the same. <laughs> okay, I agree with that. Okay, is it one? I think that's fine. Um, my other suggestion would be to that you have to give a piece of your soul. Oh, oh I like that. <laughs> um, question: As the holder of the tome, do I automatically gain knowledge, or do I have to like take the time to read to know like what's going to happen in this? third ritual for example uh, oh true i'm gonna pose that question to the group as part of creating your own mythos of soth so when sage touches the tome of soth is she granted the knowledge immediately or does she have to decipher and read the pages first Ah, that's really interesting because like we'd have to consider exactly how it's put together because it isn't mm. like a grimoire or mm. like even like a notebook. It is mm. a disheveled kind of... Correct. Yeah, and it's specifically like really difficult to decipher. So my vote would be that she would have to read and decipher the page in question. I agree. I think you have to be a soft scholar. Okay. Mm. I think the majority has voted, Michaela. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, Michaela, what do you choose? Cutting yourself or giving a part of your soul? Um, I'm cutting myself, uh, but I don't have a knife on hand, so I I guess I'll like bite my hand. So, Kath, you see Sage muttering something under her breath, and you suddenly feel cold emanating from where she is. You blink, and already she's cut open her palm, blood dripping onto the tome, which seems to be absorbing it quite immediately. She starts to scroll something within the old pages of the tome, her hands moving in this staccato manner as you feel the air around you trembling as as if expanding and contracting to a heartbeat. It's at this point that you see Dottie appearing as well, out of the restricted section. Okay. Was that all happening close enough for me to have heard, or...? Unfortunately, no. Okay. I think we actually touched on this earlier. You didn't want the screams of your victims or the sounds from your rituals to be heard in the library. So, yeah. But if it makes you feel any better, Dottie appears, and she sees this chaotic scene of her fellow cultists, one on the ground bleeding, and the other enveloped by the this awe-striking energy, chanting in a language that is beyond comprehension as she holds the tone of Soth. <laughs> Dottie! 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 Get Benjamin! She's summoning a servitor! Oh! Uh, uh, ben Benji? I'm gonna run back down the... <laughs> back down into the room. Um, slight hiccup. Kathleen is seriously injured and... And Sage is summoning a servitor. I don't know if you want to quick fire, just switch things up since Kathleen's already injured, but you might want to go take a look at that. <laughs> um, okay, is the ceremonial knife there? Yes. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take that knife and I'm going to stab it into Betty. Oh. I'm going to uh, drench it in her blood and still dripping. I'm going to walk out with the bloody knife in my hand. Uh, by the time I get there, has she had enough time to 
decide what the servitor's purpose is or very, what she's doing? Very good question. Have you decided, Michaela? Yep, I wanted to inflict four injuries. Oh, so is that all you choose from all of those? Mm-hmm. Um, I've also, I've run up after Benji. So, the whole group finally gathers together, time ticking closer to the destined deadline of the third ritual. Sage, could you describe the servitor to us? And I should also mention that servitors generally transgress reality, so you don't actually have to be very specific. Ambiguities are more than enough to create an interesting servitor. The book actually gives you a few examples that you can use if you want. Translucent, globular, asymmetrical, shadowed, fungal, and so on and so forth. Mm. I'd say it looks like a skeleton with kind of red, like almost burnt leather, just like wrapped around a skeleton, basically. You can kind of like smell just like the scent of like burnt flesh, basically. The ritual comes to an end with a shudder. The air starts to burn and shake as, within a blink, a creature appears before Sage, towering above all of you. It's the stench that hits you first, even before your brains attempt to comprehend this horror before you. A rotten, burning odour that enters your lungs and refuses to exit. And yet somehow, this creature, this abomination, demands your honour, your respect. You find yourselves almost as if this was some sort of decree that could not be refused, brimming with wonderment, with respect, with awe, and... Of course, with fear. What do you do? Could I could I have a, a poignant moment if I could? Yes, of course. Having been given these, being told what's happened um, upstairs and kind of clicking in to think that things have gone kind of pear-shaped, I'm going to walk up the stairs of the temple, make my way through the hallways with, I, I imagine, um, Dottie behind me, and I'm going to lock eyes with Sage, who I imagine at this point in time is kind of like swirling with some kind of power or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm going to try and kind of look at her then towards Kathleen, Dottie, and then the servitor and kind of just piece things together. And I'm going to look at a Sage and I'm going to hold up the knife and say, you're too late. It's done. <laughs> you couldn't make the decision for you, could you? Couldn't be loyal to him. I made that decision for you. Myrtle made that decision for you. I'm already like not even completely present at the moment. And so when I kind of realize that Myrtle's dead, I just scream and I look at the servitor and command it for the glory of Soth. Do what I do not have the strength to do. Kill the cult leader. Oh, okay. So that is your one command that you can give your servitor. And I have to roll now. And it's a critical success as far as servitor rolls go. Oof, okay, so this is what happens. The sound of creaking bones emanates throughout the room. And being a library, the sound echoes again and again, becoming almost deafeningly loud. Slowly, but with purpose and weight, the servitor moves towards you, Benji. Its fingers, its uh, phalanges, bending inwards until it becomes a fist. And somehow, somehow, the fear you felt before begins to overwhelm the other emotions inspired by this creature. And with that, we enter combat. 
so what actions or lack thereof would you like to attempt to do the only action i know at the moment is that the servitor is attempting to attack benji um i don't intend to at this point uh doesn't seem to involve me i'll, I'll just run back down into the temple and shut the door behind me <laughs> <laughs> nice okay and what about you kev i would like to throw myself in between the servitor and my beloved cult leader oh. <laughs> and sage is there something you would like to do or are you just standing there making sure that yep i'm feeling like the power of soth running through me and i'm just it feels like i'm controlling this servitor basically so yeah i'm just like watching what's happening okay so at the moment the servitor has the initiative and will be going first unless somebody wishes to seize initiative i am going to steal all kinds of initiative here seeing kathleen benji's benji's power is to read people above and all else their intentions their dirty little secrets who they really are and seeing that Kath is going to sacrifice themselves. I'm going to rush forward. I'm going to put like, as she's kind of coming in between, I'm going to grab her by the shoulder, muster up all the strength I can, and I'm going to push her away. You won't need a lot of strength. <laughs> yeah, like, like it's, it's kind of more of like a deflection than yeah. like any kind of opposing force. Yeah. Does the servitor have like a blade or some kind of weapon that, that's clearly meant to kill me? Because Sage did not specify, no. Okay. But I mean, it's pretty huge. It towers above you, like seven, eight feet tall. So. But it is inten it's intention. Like I heard it say to kill me, right? Yes. Okay. So I am going to push Kath out of the way. I'm going to run up to this thing and grab it by like the kind of the, the back of its neck. I am like terrified. I am mortified. I'm horrified. I'm scared. But more so, I am loyal. And I'm going to take that knife, uh, that sacrificial knife, and I'm going to drive it inward into myself. And I'm going to hold myself against this servitor with the blade in my gut. And through gritted teeth and like splattering like blood, I'm going to say, do the ritual. No. Do the ritual. No. And I'm going to start praying to Soth and I am ultimately using myself as the sacrifice instead. Oh my gosh. Um, is it is it time? Is it sunset? Yup. For conveniently dramatic reasons, it's very close to sunset. Perhaps 10 minutes too? Okay. Do I have enough strength to drag Benji to, or sort of support him while he's d dying to the temple? Ah, uh, no. You do not. Sorry. But if it makes a difference, Dottie may. Okay. And we're back at the top of the combat process as well. Benji went first because he sees initiative, so unless somebody else seizes initiative, the servitor will be going first. Also, given what's just happened, has this changed anything that you want to do? Yes. Okay, by all means. Um, what What is Sage doing? What is Sage doing? Sage was just standing waiting for the servitor to kill Benji, basically. And she doesn't know the details of the rituals, so she's still just intent on killing him, like where he stands. Okay. Does she look like she's going to do something after what's just occurred, or is she just kind of like reveling in that? Or yeah, for now she's just reveling in that and kind of leaving it up to the servitor. Okay. In that case, what I would like to do is go. Uh, actually, is she holding the tome? Yes. I would like to go and try to take the tome. And Dossie, what is your action that you would like to perform? So the picture is the servitor doesn't have hold of him or anything. 
thing. He's he's now stabbed himself. Yes. Okay. Well, in that case, I cause I will have heard Benji say do the sacrifice. Yeah. And um, I will uh, run to Benji and try to help him down the stairs down to the temple. Cool. Yeah, the servitor is still leading in terms of initiative, so if you'd wish to go before the servitor tries to kill Benji, you will have to seize initiative. Yeah, I'd like to seize initiative to do that. Cool. Dottie finally increases to three. <laughs> Clarity. <laughs> so, Dottie, how um, strong are you in general? I'm a working girl. Not like a farmhand or anything, though. I would say I'm okay. I'm okay strong. Like, I, I, I lift some heavy things. I lift, like, big crates of beer and stuff, but I don't do heavy machinery or anything. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're partially successful in your action as well. You managed to pull him a fair bit towards the restriction section, almost entering it through the doors before the effort of pulling becomes too much for you, and you kind of just let go of him, and he's back on the ground. And with that, we're back to the top. Sage, Kath, and the servitor has to go. What do the two of you wish to do? Um, I will just follow the servitor. So my my intention is to try to take the tome. Uh, Kath, do you steal initiative? Yes, I would like to steal initiative. Cool, so what do you do? I'm just going to make a dive for the tome to like grab onto it and pull it towards oh, yeah, me. If that's the case, you're incredibly successful. You easily Great. get to the tome. Great, yeah. I just I like grab it and pull it towards me and then try to crawl away, basically. Cool, and back to the top. Sage, what do you want to do? I'm still just following the servitor. I just want this. I just want the servitor to kill Benji. Wow. Okay. So the servitor trudges up towards Benji, shaking the very foundations of the library with each step that it takes. Wisps of flame and smoke exiting from these glowing cracks on its bones. Benji, as this is happening, what's going through your mind? I think above all else. I know that I've served Soth to the best of my uh, abilities. I I think at this point, if I haven't realized, or if it was, if Benji was silly enough to have forgotten that they needed to be in the temple, then he would be doing everything he can to get into that room. So if he's on the ground or if he's seeing this thing approach, he's doing everything he can to cross that threshold down the stairs to at least die in the temple. Yeah, you're doing your very best, especially with all the bleeding, and you hear the crackling of bones nearing you, the simmering heat increasing. The pressure behind you gets harder and harder to ignore. You're almost at the temple. At your destination, you're literally a finger's length away from this solace. And then you suddenly feel a weight upon your back, pushing down more and more and more as your breath, your life, is pushed out of your lungs. Then I would say, as the last breaths of air escape Benji's lungs, he stares lifeless ahead of him, arms outstretched, but I think there was almost a moment, a moment of recognition from him to Dottie in knowing that Dottie will lead their cult to success and ultimately welcome Soth into the world as much as his arm is outstretched to make it to the temple. It is also outstretched to pass on the torch of responsibility and burden to Dottie. And slowly as your eyes dim, and your thoughts falter, 
the sickening sounds of Benji's bones breaking under the weight echo through the restricted section until, finally, he stops moving. And immediately, the servitor stops moving as well. It takes a slow look towards you, Sage, and suddenly its bones catch on fire and it burns. It burns into ashes, disappearing. I'm going to have a look down and, and see, you know, because like Benji's lying on the floor, face down with his arms outstretched towards the room. Is his finger in the room? No. No. Sage! You could have waited 30 seconds. Why? Waited for what? He, for he the already ritual. sacrificed Myrtle. No, he didn't. Myrtle's alive. That was the ritual. What? Myrtle's alive, you idiot. Mur- you've just you've just sacrificed everything that we have worked for this whole ritual. Summoning Soth. And for what? I, I did it all for Myrtle, of course. I mean, everything I did was to keep her safe. I'm nothing without her. I thought Benji took it all away from me. It was you. You were the sacrifice. Myrtle was never here. It was you. And I think I'm just gonna run out of the the library and maybe pick up my shovel and just start screaming for Myrtle. It's just the two of us now in the room, right? So we're both not in the temple. We're in the library. Yeah. Um... I check the time and look outside. Is it, would we still have time to perform the ritual tonight? If you hurry, yes, maybe. Make me the sacrifice. I'm going to the temple because I figure I'm like on death's door right now anyway, so. (laughs) Now, you cannot be the holder and the leader at the same time, but right now the holder is a more important role. For my sacrifice will also make me a servitor and I will be bound to the holder of the tome. That must be you. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I can do that. But Sage can't be the leader. No, but that's not important right now. You can find someone else after you summon Soth. The next ritual can be done in two hours. It must be outside, under the light of Soth, under the star. You need two sacrifices. All that is given is the monarch and the favorite. It is up to you to interpret that as you will. The monarch and the favorite are the two sacrifices. The monarch and the favorite. Those are the two sacrifices Okay. for the fourth and final ritual, breaking of the scheme. Thank you. Once this ritual is complete, the gate will open and I will become its servitor. That's a noble role, Kathleen. You're going to be great. Thank you. Didn't think it would... Didn't think it would go out this way. No. But at least I shall be serving Soth. Praise Soth. Um, I'm going to walk over to Benji and take the knife out of him and then walk over to the Kathleen again. Uh, I guess we'll, we've propped her against the altar now, I reckon. Uh, yeah, cool. Yeah, I'll tilt my head back so you have access to my throat and mm-hmm. chest area. I raise the knife over her, say, blessed be, and then slice her throat. Dottie, there you find yourself beside your fellow zealot, your companion in your journey to Soth, bloodied but alive, alive but alone. What are you doing? What are you thinking at the moment? Kathleen has just said her last words, and I've just watched her slowly bleed out. There are now four bodies in this room, and Benji, just outside, 
And at first, I'm so relieved having fulfilled the sacrifice in time and fulfilled the ritual. And then it dawns on me. Izzy is gone. Kathleen is gone. Benji is gone. And Sage has all but abandoned the cause. And I suddenly feel very alone in this room full of sacrifices. I don't know how I'm going to carry on by myself. And I think Dottie will stay there just taking it in for for a long time before she suddenly remembers that it's now way past her curfew. My first thought is, oh, it's past curfew. I have to get home. And my second thought is, if I bring Soth tonight, I don't ever have to go home. Oh, <laughs> nice. Wow. That was something as well. Cool. With that, we'll end the scene. And just for your information, as of now, Josh has swapped sides to my side. Oh, uh, yeah. So are, are you playing one of the investigators now, Josh? Um, I suppose this might actually make me Glenn. <gasps> Fun. Ooh. Yes. So he can basically control any of the investigators that he wants. I've shared with him the list. He also has the same powers of the Keeper in terms of being able to use suspicion points to do things. But before we get into that, Dottie, the calmness around you is cut short by the sounds of breaking bones and tearing flesh as a servitor comes out from within Kathleen's body. This servitor is called the Servitor of the Gate. Its final intent is to bring about the arrival of Soth. So, Erin, you have to choose one of the following goals, which you can change later on, by the way. Create chaos and fear, destroy human creations, gather new worshippers for Soth, or punish unbelievers. I think at this moment I want to gather new worshippers for Soth. So next, you get to choose special abilities. Since your clarity was six, you have six points to use to buy abilities. And then you need to tell us what your servitor looks like based on the words I mentioned before or something original. Yeah, I think my servitor is a sort of translucent, floating, orb-like thing that shimmers with light a bit. And it's sort of, um, it's almost like a glob that is constantly shifting its shape. That's cool. Thank you. So you manifest in the temple out of the cold corpse of Kath. Describe how the other cultist, in this case just Dottie, finally notices your presence. Feel free to use your appearance, body language, etc. However, you cannot speak. Yeah, so you see this sort of bluish-white light. It looks almost like a will-o'-the-wisp kind of light, and then it starts to grow, and it becomes this big sort of blob of atoms I guess and and light and there's sort of like this weird form in the middle that is like constantly shifting around and the light is emanating from it and you feel calm and reassured. Sage so you said you were running out of the library. I went outside with my shovel I think I took my shovel and I'm just gonna walk around town screaming Myrtle's name looking for her and not really caring what the townspeople think. The moment you step out of the uh, library, through those library doors, uh, you feel immediately a spotlight on you (laughs) as over a speaker or uh, some apparatus you hear, 
This is Police Chief Glenn Richard of the Collinsville Police Department. We have the building surrounded. Place your hands on the back of your head and lay down. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just going to be... I'm, like, stunned and... I guess I drop I drop the shovel, but I'm like, uh, I I need to find Myrtle. Where where's Myrtle? I she's she's not in the library. I just I need to find her. I put my hands up, but I don't really obey the instructions that they're saying because it's all just like a shock to me that this is happening. I repeat, put your hands on the back of your head and lay down. Where's Myrtle? Please tell me where is she? I need to know if she's safe. She's safe. Put your hands on the back of your head and lay down. And just drop to my knees and put my hands on my head and start sobbing. You hear a voice, a familiar voice, saying, Sage? Is it, is it her? <laughs> I look I look up. It is Myrtle and Theo. Oh my gosh. Myrtle. And I'm going to get up and kind of like start clambering my way towards her. Place your hands on the back of your head and lay down. I'm ignoring that. I'm going to Myrtle. Don't come any closer to me. And I just kind of stop and like, Myrtle, I, you're, you're safe. I, I, I thought you were dead. I, I didn't know what happened to you. I, Benji was just saying all these things, saying that you're, you were, you were dead and I, I just needed to find you. At that point, I'm going to, well, Glenn is going to uh, grab the uh, handcuffs from the dashboard of his police cruiser and start making his way over to Sage to arrest them. I'm probably not registering that this is happening. I'm just seeing Myrtle and I'm confused why she's like telling me not to come closer. Like, I mean, I thought she was dead like five minutes ago. So I'm just like, please just let me like hug you or something. This will probably be a yeah point of conflict where I'm actively trying trying to I think so. uh, wrench Sage to the ground and place the hands behind the back. Yeah. Sage, unless you seize initiative, Glenn will be going first. Um, no, I won't. Okay, so Glenn, you are pretty successful. You push her down to the ground and handcuff her without any trouble. No. Now the Miranda rights aren't going to be invented for another 10 years, so I'm just going to say you're under the arrest for the suspicion uh, murder of uh, two people and some of the other charges that Glenn was oh so coy about yeah. <laughs> earlier on. <laughs> um, as that's happening, I'm, I'm just going to be like, what, what, what's happening? Myrtle, Myrtle, what's happening? You Tell them they're wrong. Tell them it's not true. But it is, Sage. It is true, isn't it? I wanted to do this together. I wanted to, to go through this with you. To kill people? How could you? I thought I knew you. I thought I knew what you stood for. You knew all along. It's just, I, you, you didn't understand what it took for us to live in peace. We were living in peace before all of this happened. We could have been happy. I'm going to, at that point, wrench her up on her feet yeah. and start walking her. Like, I mean, Glenn was getting a confession <laughs> right there. <laughs> Glenn has everything he needs. Uh, yep. So he's yep. going to start walking her towards the police cruiser and he's going to lock her in the back. And he's going to point to Myrtle and Theo and just say, wait here. There are other officers inbound. Don't go anywhere. Don't interact with her. And... He's going to kind of walk into the library. As I'm being dragged away, I just want to tell Myrtle to run. I want to tell her it's not safe 
anywhere and that she needs to get out of there. Almost as if called by your very words, Sage, suddenly you all feel the ground shaking beneath you, causing the cars to move to and fro and forcing you all to your knees. Almost as soon as it started, however, it stops, and with its cessation, you find yourselves all feeling as though something is off. Perhaps it's the fact that it's very hot, even though it shouldn't be at this time of night. Or perhaps it's the fact that the air feels thicker than usual, requiring you all to put in effort to breathe. Regardless, looking around, you realize that it's almost as if the sun had never set to begin with. Your surroundings are all illuminated, clear as day, but all tinted with this pale blue light, the same pale blue light springing from the proverbial star in the sky. The star that seems oddly nearer than before. Uh, I guess, like, uh, as he stumbles down, he's going to kind of wave to the others to get down to safety like under under a tree or something like that he's very confused but knows that he's got like a job to do i guess so he is going to kind of like fumble up the stairs and start to move into the library um checking his corners and such is it dark enough to require a flashlight? I'll say that some of the lights are on, at the very least enough for you to make your way through the library. While this is happening, Myrtle, are you doing anything or should we close that part of the scene? No, we can close that. She's just holding Theo tight. Yeah, okay. So it doesn't take you long, Glenn, before you come across the unmoving body of none other than the symbol of your hatred. The same Benjamin Crothers that you believe in your heart of hearts to be somehow related to, if not literally the cause, of so many tragedies in Collinsville. And most certainly the horrors that are going on now as well. Glenn is going to kind of like cover his mouth all, almost in disgust as if he's trying to like stifle, like trying to keep it together because um, what he is seeing is quite gruesome, I imagine. Yes. But again, he's continuing very slowly, very cautiously checking his corners as he would do um, with his police training. He's got his uh, Colt 38, I imagine, like standard issue police revolver. Yep. And he's just checking his corners and making sure that um, he, I don't think he would call out at this point. The other thing that you notice is that there seems to be a door that you surmise would usually be hidden behind a bookcase, now ajar and open. A blue light seeps out from the opening. Let's move on to Dottie for a moment. What are you doing, Dottie? So, the officer is coming into the building now. He's seen Benji. Which, if he can see Benji, that because Benji is right outside the temple door. Yes. I'm still in the temple. Yes. So, would because it's difficult to hear what's going on outside from where I am. First of all, did I notice the earthquake? Yes. Could I feel it? Yes. Okay. So I I knew that the earthquake happened. I've been sitting in contemplation until then, trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And when I hear, feel the earthquake, I know that it is time to act and I start to steady myself to go. You know, I start collecting things. I pick up the, the knife and I tear off a piece of fabric from one of the, the people's clothings around and I, I clean it off and I wrap it around the knife to create a, you know, a bit of a barrier there and I put it in my pocket and I'm doing this. And then would 
the guy, would the police officer be close enough now that I could potentially hear his footsteps? I'm gonna reflect that question to Glenn. Do you think you can be quiet enough to not make any sounds as you descend on concrete? I Or a gasp when you see Benji, something like that? Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, I definitely, at the very least, somewhat like stifling wretches, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. There are lights down in the temple, right? Yes. So, yeah, um... I think if he was in this kind of darkened hallway, noticing the blood and the viscera and stuff like that of Benji kind of aiming towards this open door, he would most likely start to slowly but um, cautiously make his way towards that door, gun raised as well. In that case, Dottie, I think you will notice him, but only just a bit before he notices you. However, something else notices him very much earlier. Yeah. And that is the servitor of the gate. Yes, right. I think what I would like to do, if I can, is use Reality Warp. So Reality Warp makes it appear as it would after Soth yep, has yep. arrived. So what, yep, does yep. That look like? what does that look like to Glenn? So to Glenn... It is a car-sized area as well, remember? Oh, true. So it's not actually the whole room. No. Oh, no, hold on. I took Reality Warp again, so that should increase the area. Right. So I'd say like a cubic area that can fit a few buses in it, something like that? Okay, so I'd say what Glenn sees is essentially a purple translucent line down the middle of the room that separates the other side of the room, which you can't see as well, but it's still looking normal, and the side of the room that is right in front of you, which now it looks like there's no ceiling. You can see the star in the sky is like burning bright and it's like it looks like it's about to crash into the earth. Dottie is no longer in front of you, and you just see this this massive bright light barreling towards you. So like, it's just incomprehensible yeah, yeah. Like vision. Yeah. I think certainly the moment it feels like, you know, he's gonna take a moment as he's coming down the stairs to kind of be like, what is going on? He sees what is presumably the night sky and perhaps whatever field or what it is that he sees. When he sees the light come towards him as if it's about to crash, he's going to leap out of the temple as if expecting some kind of, you know, some kind of collision. Potentially even falling besides Benji. Just ground level. If he's got a moment to kind of recollect himself, he's going to like pull himself to the side and maybe even check back into the room again to see what kind of structural damage or why there perhaps wouldn't have been a collision. What does it look like now, Servitor? It looks like there's been no collision at all. Just this bright blue light is now encompassing the room that you see before you. That being said, I do think that Dottie would have noticed the commotion by this point. Okay, so probably before you look into the room or that you jump away, I will kind of heard probably a audible gasp, a, a noise you made when you saw the bright light. Mm. And I'll look up notice you there but see you flinching away and as you sort of you know jump away mm, is there any way for me to have will, will i understand what's happening do you reckon what he's going through i don't think you would because it was directed towards glenn unless it's something that affects everyone uh erin no it's, it's specifically towards glenn for sure and there's no way for me to just intuit what is happening right now well you know that the servitors have otherworldly powers and you know that the servitor is doing something given that it's kind of moving around. Yeah. Okay, so I can see the servitor is doing something. 
I'm gonna take this opportunity to run past the inspector and I'm gonna head towards the exit to the library. But as I get to the exit though, I imagine that I would be able to see the police car lights outside. Is that right? What do you think, Josh? Do you think the police are here now or still not here or? I think that not all of them would have made it. Perhaps a couple of squad cars, yes. Um, However, the earthquake would have been, um, I I think, uh, certainly derailed a couple of, like, like we I don't think we'll have the place firmly surrounded Mm -hmm. uh, because I imagine that with something like that. And did you say that there was something in the sky as well? Yes. Like, with what kind of feels like the apocalypse kind of opening out around us, I think that a lot of people are going to be having a bit of a difficult time at the moment. So I don't think like it'll be as quite as surrounded as I would have originally hoped. So maybe two squad cars, Max, I reckon. It is still a small town as well. Definitely. That's actually a really good point. I think that most of them would be looking up as well, considering the nearing proximity of the star. Okay. On the other hand, Glenn, <laughs> do you think you would be calm enough to stop Dottie when she runs past you? I imagine not stop, but the sense of mind to snap out. Because I'm, I'm right now sitting against the wall, trying to fathom what it is that I've just witnessed. And as I look in, I imagine that's when she kind of blasts past. It would still take a, a moment to collect myself, but I would give chase. Yeah. So, Dottie, what do you do? You are being chased by the chief. Yeah, okay. I'm being chased by the chief. I'm no match for him in terms of speed or strength. What can I... Can, can I give... I can give the servitor orders, is that right? Correct. Uh-oh. Okay. Can I ask the servitor to kill someone? Yes. Yes, you can. Okay, I'm going to ask the servitor to kill the inspector. Alrighty. <laughs> oh, delightful. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to fast forward a bit. So I think like while you're running, Glenn, suddenly you feel this warm light. Warm or cold, servitor? Uh, cold. This cold light coming from behind you. Do you look behind you or do you carry on? If it is just light then no. Well, it is light, but also a feeling of coldness coming from behind you, I suppose. I don't think that is enough to get Glenn's attention, Mm -hmm. especially when the main suspect is right in front of me. I think I would chase the suspect, raise my gun, and demand that they stop. Yeah, so as you're nearing the exit, Dottie, you begin to hear the sound of footsteps behind you, and you hear the voice of someone telling you to... Uh, place your hands on the back of your head. (laughs) (laughs) Or put put your hands up and don't move. If I recognize that it's Dottie, I'm going to, like, cock the hammer of the gun to be like, your parents will be very disappointed in you right now. I put my hands up and I say, I told you, you can't speak to my parents without a lawyer present. And I'm going to hope that buys enough time for the servitor Mm -hmm. to kill him. Uh, Yep, so the servitor is going to strike. Okay, so we're back in combat. The servitor has the initiative and Glenn, unfortunately, because you're not a cultist, you actually can't seize initiative. So servitor, what do you want to do? I would like to spend eight points, please, for a number three, uh, an eight number three. Okie dokie, one second. So listeners, I've muted myself so the others can't hear me, but just for your information, Josh basically spent eight points to buy survive a servitor's attack. And back to normal. So how much damage do you do then, Servitor? So two damage? Wow. Good eye, Josh. So Servitor, you are successful. How do you attack out of curiosity? I'm going to make it sort of like a, almost like a a psychic attack where 
suddenly he just feels this intense pain coming up through his body like he's having a heart attack. Yeah. So Glenn, you do, as mentioned, feel an incredible amount of pain starting from where your heart is and then emanating through your body. And for a moment, it feels like you have died. You do take those two injuries. But miraculously, even though you have been pushed to the ground, you're on your knees, you find yourself alive and well. I'm going to raise my weapon and empty it into the servitor. Does it have to be like a specific action per shot or can I empty the entire clip? I'll say that you can maybe shoot two or three times depending on... Whatever maximum that Glenn can fire, that's how much he'll fire. Yeah, (laughs) so you don't even look at what's attacking you, your immediate sense is to basically turn and shoot, and you do. And you shoot until you hear the familiar click, click of your gun, empty of bullets. So, Servitor, you take three damage. Oh, okay. Dottie, is there something you would like to do? As soon as the gun is no longer on me, I will reach into my pocket and take out the knife that I had pocketed. And when I hear the click of no more bullets in the gun, I'm going to move forward and stab him in the throat. (laughs) I believe that's one clarity for Dottie as well. Yeah, it is one clarity for Dottie as... Oh, yes. How are your last moments, Glenn? (laughs) As Dottie takes the knife and stabs it into his throat, Glenn looks Dottie dead in the eyes and says... (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'll be sure to relay that to my parents. Oh, snap. <laughs> sassy. Okay, so, yep, he said, um, pull the knife back out once again, wrap the, the towel around it, put it back in my pocket. Did any of the police officers notice the gunshots? Yeah, yeah. No, I think you can hear footsteps and sounds outside and you hear the door opening slowly. Mm. Okay, so... I'm going to run behind um, some bookshelves mm-hmm. and I'm going to wait for them to come in. And as they enter the door, I'm going to push a bookshelf onto them. Damn. <laughs> okay, yeah. So as they're running in, unfortunately, well, unfortunately for the police officers, you are successful because you have the superior position and knowledge and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't kill them, but it definitely disarms them, sending their guns out of reach. They both shout in pain and look around trying to pull themselves up or just pull themselves out from beneath. I'm going to grab one of their guns and then I'm going to run outside. Okay, so you come outside and you notice two things. First of all, you notice Sage in a car, like shouting, screaming inside, I imagine, Sage? or Yeah, I think that Glenn put me inside the car. I don't think he would have just left me out there. So yeah, I think what I would be doing is just like praying to praying to the light to keep Myrtle safe. Yeah, so you see Sage praying to the light and you see three individuals walking towards the library. One of them is Myrtle, the other is Theo, and the third one is a man that you just can't make out from the distance. Am I meant to be holding the tome or have I still the tome holder, the keeper, without having it on me. We're just going to say that you've been holding onto the tome this whole time. Yeah. Right, okay. Otherwise, I would have to go to wherever you left the tome, because I'm bound to the tome. Yeah, okay. Interesting. All right. So I can't see who the man is that Myrtle and Leo are next to? You can't recognize him from behind, but you definitely recognize Myrtle and Theo from behind. Theo, sorry. Okay, cool. I'm going to... I'm going to point my gun at Myrtle and Theo and shout to them and say, stop where you are. Myrtle, Theo, stop. Yeah, Myrtle just looks really shocked. Like she doesn't understand. Hi. 
Myrtle, Theo, wonderful to see you again. I need you to come with me now. What for? What do you want from me? I want you to come with me. Are there any police officers nearby? No, the two who went inside have not yet come out. The only other person outside is the other man who at this point, because he's much nearer to you, you recognize as the pastor, Pastor Matthew. Interesting. Yeah, Myrtle will just look to him like, can you do something about this? Like she's just scared and a bit flabbergasted. I go, oh, Matthew, I don't need you. And I shoot him. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, okay. Is there is there still a little piece of Keth inside the servitor? Ooh, I'm going to say yes. So if you're looking, Dottie, you notice the servitor just gravitating a little bit towards Matthew's body. And it just kind of hovers over it for a moment before returning to your side. Mm-hmm. Aw, cute. Okay. Uh, I'm going to get ahead of this and just say that my last words is Matthew were, now child, it does not need to go like this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Before the gunshot rings through the air and Matthew falls down face first. <laughs> I think that Myrtle is going to scream and clutch Theo to her. Theo is crying. Okay, please. It's all going to be fine. Please, please, please don't hurt us. Please, please. I don't know anything about anything that you've been doing. Everything is going to be fine. Everything is going to be just fine. It's going to be amazing, in fact. Soth is going to rule over this world and it is going to be thanks to you and you will have a special place in this world. Everything is going to be fine. I need you to come with me. Um, can I say that Sage would would have heard the gunshot and Myrtle screaming? You definitely would have heard the gunshot, yes. And so I think she's gonna like freak out and just like start smashing herself against the window to try and get out of the car so that she can help Myrtle. Do you have anything on you that you can break windows with? Because this is like the police car, so the back is locked. She's handcuffed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think my handcuffs on my back, so I'm just like... Just throwing your body? Yeah. I'm throwing my body, throwing my like my head and my shoulders, basically, repeatedly <laughs> against the car. GG, So Sage. the window. Yeah. GG. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, Dottie, you hear struggles from behind a button. <laughs> That's all. So I'd have to actually turn to look? Yes, but it's more like you hear the dimmed screams from Sage than anything else. Okay, yeah. So I realize, I probably have realized what's happening. I don't concern myself with it. I can promise you that you and Theo will turn out fine. Hmm, no. I can promise you that one of you will be fine as long as you can get me to Mayor Ephraim. What? If you can get me to him, then one of you will be okay. And you can choose I, which one it is. I, I don't mind. I don't understand. What does Ephraim have to do with any of this? Yes, you don't understand. But that's all right. You don't have to. I just need Ephraim. Fine. I'll get you Ephraim, but you, but Theo has to live. Hmm. Yep, no, Theo can live. That's okay. I, I need your word. On, I swear on my love for Soth that Theo will not be harmed by me. Or by anyone, right? Well, I can't speak on behalf of other people, but he won't be harmed by me or by anyone that I have ordered. Okay. Um, And Myrtle's just kind of going to take Theo's face in her hands and just like console him and be like, I have to go do this. I want you to run straight home. Run back home. Don't come out. 
Um, fine. Uh, would Myrtle know where Ephraim would be? You'd have to search for it. So you can just, like, what is what do you want to do, Dottie? Like, do you want to go with her? Or do you want to get her to bring him to you? Or, like, what is... All the sacrifices, everything has to be done in the temple. Is that right? No, no, no. So this particular one is in public. Oh, amazing. So really, anywhere in public is fine. As long as you can see the light oh, itself. Yes. Fantastic. No, I'll go with her then. Mm-hmm. I'll go with you. Bring me to Ephraim and Theo will be just fine. Yes. Uh, well, I can't say for sure exactly where he is but I suppose I, I last saw him near the community center. He was helping me, so he went to the police station. Oh, okay, great. Um, oh, like yeah. I told him to check up on the uh, other guy. That's right. Okay. On James. Great. So we're going to... Oh, boy. We're heading to the police station, are we? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm going to head... We're heading to the police station with my, my revolver pointed at a woman. Yep. Mm-hmm. Great idea. You arrive at the police station and you notice the familiar car of Mayor from Brown parked outside. Wonderful. Found him. Thank you so much, Myrtle. I really appreciate it. This is going to make a massive difference. I'm also going to say that it has already been two hours since the last ritual. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's go find him. So we have to go inside the building to find him. Yes. You enter the building and you see him just walking to and fro, frustrated, muttering to himself um and there's no police there no one yet okay all right so when we're walking into the police station i've got myrtle by the arm and i'm holding the gun against her but in such a way that it's concealed mm-hmm. from ephraim um i'm gonna say ephraim hey what's wrong you look unsettled he looks at the two of you and then he sees myrtle and his eyes widen Myrtle, we've been looking for you for so... Where have you been? I... Uh, that doesn't matter now. Of course it matters. Benji's been... Do you, do, do, do you even know? No, it doesn't matter now. He glares at you and says, Myrtle, I am the mayor here, so what I say does matter. Ephraim, it doesn't matter. She's right, because Benji's the one in trouble now. What, what, what do you mean? Where, where is Benji? I'm sorry. He's been badly injured. He's at the library, and I don't know if he's going to make it. No, you, 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 you can't be serious. I'm sorry, Ephraim. I know you were good friends. I didn't want it to be him. I wanted it to be Sage, but... What? We can't... <laughs> I'll get what we want. What, what, what do you mean? What are you talking about? You saw her, Myrtle. She's been gone mad. You, you got her arrested. You would know. Mayor, the whole town's gone topsy-turvy. You have to come. No, she's she's part of this. L- listen, I, I I don't know what you two are talking about, and I I, I don't care. Stay here, and he kind of like beelines towards the exit uh, to go out to to go out essentially. Yeah, and I'm going to stay some paces behind him, but give Myrtle a shove to follow him. He walks out and basically begins running towards his car. Okay, so we're does this count as public, or is there not enough people around? Uh, it counts as public. It is outside, right in front of the police station. Yeah, I don't know how much more public you can okay great so first i'm gonna fire off a shot into into myrtle's side and then i'm gonna quickly fire off one at ephraim ephraim squeals and falls down he turns around and tries to immediately back away from you frantically where have i hit him Uh, i was aiming for let's say like around the heart but like the back so like i oh i guess i was aiming for like a lung yeah, your aim leaves much to be desired. You didn't get him exactly in the lung, but you definitely got in a good stab in the upper abdominal area. Okay. How many more rounds here can I have? You're out of bullets, I think. Okay, cool. No worries. So in that case, I'm going to say, Servitor, 
finish them both off. Aye, aye, Captain, says Servitor. <laughs> Can't speak. <laughs> yeah, so the, the Servitor floats up out of out of the tome again. Yep. And I'll, I'll go through them both and inflict one injury on them each if I can do that. You can do that, yes. That is what I will do. So justify your sacrifices to Soth. Mm-hmm. Why do you think Soth will accept this ritual as the final and perhaps most important ritual? Oh, yes, absolutely. So for dramatic effect, when I shot Myrtle in the side, I said the favorite. And then I I pointed my gun at Ephraim and I said the monarch. And then I shot him. Um, My justification being everyone's been obsessed with Myrtle (laughs) this entire time, of course. Um, And Ephraim, I would have loved to get someone from Ideally, you know, someone from the Caruthers family, but um, the only people left other than Myrtle are the kids, and I can't do that. So, um, and and so Ephraim was the next best thing as the mayor of the town. He's the closest thing to the highest authority figure in the town. Interesting. Okay, Servitor. Once you cause harm and bring death upon the two sacrifices to bring on the coming of Soth, everything goes silent for a moment. Not for lack of things making sounds, but it almost seems like the very concept of sound seems to cease momentarily. Then suddenly everything, all of it, hits you at the very same time. Chaos breaks loose, screams, shouts, the ground shaking, smoke coming from the sewers, the tar begins to melt, your eyes tear, and the blue light brightens to blinding levels. Dottie, you've been given a prompt. The summoning was completed. You, the first epilogue. It's set one year after you summoned Soth. Describe your occultist's life in as much or as little detail as you like. If in doubt, just give a short summary or describe it like it's a photograph. If you include other supporting characters or cultists who haven't yet had their epilogue, you can play a normal scene. However, other cultists still get their own epilogue. This epilogue is specifically about your cultist's fate. You also need to introduce one fact about Soth. The epilogue section at the bottom of your cultist sheet has some reminders. Each of the surviving cultists gets an epilogue about what their life under Soth is like. This could include them dying or something worse. If a cultist hasn't read their epilogue yet, they can join yours. It's been a year since we summoned Soth. It was a a day to remember. When Soth descended on Earth, everything immediately became hotter and the world suddenly smelled like just a hint of sulfur. And that was just the way the world was from then on. Just warm, blue-tinged, and sulfuric. You could, everywhere you go, you could always feel Soth's presence. You could not escape it. You couldn't forget what we had done that day and on that Christmas. I continued to live in the town of Collinsville. After all, I had put so much effort into it. My parents moved away. They couldn't understand. I tried to get them to join me and hope that they would have been proud of the initiative I had taken, but just as the inspector had said, they ended up not being. But Benji had bestowed the cult of Soth onto me, and I knew I had to keep it going. In spite of the non-believers, others joined. In the years since, when people knew, when they could see that Soth had risen, they had to believe, and people came, people who heard about it, people from all over New Zealand came to our little town in Waiheke, and they they joined us. 
There's now a somewhat thriving little town devoted to Soth. We have torn down the church and replaced it with a temple of worship for Soth now. And even if the world is, you know, a little smellier and a little warmer, and there's a little less water than usual, we know that we are in Soth's good graces and we know that all of it was worth it. We know this because he has given us a gift. It turns out that Soth, well, Soth makes little Soths too. <laughs> and they started popping up about six months after Soth had been resurrected. In some of the crops, when we were growing corn or, or flowers, these little eggs would appear inside the crop, like little pine cones almost, but a, a sort of a metallic green color. And at first we were confused, but after a, a couple of weeks, they would open up and there would be little mini versions of soft, little tentacled creatures. I can't think of anything more glorious. We have a, a well, I guess a, a midwifery, a uh, an incubation chamber for them now. We're, we've set it up where the old library temple used to be, and we're raising little soths for the world. Wow. It's a, it's a very special honor to be able to do that. <laughs> so we know that Soth will continue to bring Collinsville prosperity as long as we're looking after their children. It is two years after the summoning of Soth. Theo, who is 17 years old now, the sight he saw the morning after that fateful Christmas day was hard on his younger self. Sometimes, in his sleep, images still come to him of a police vehicle in front of the library, with a head protruding out of the car window at an unnatural angle, covered in blood and shards of glass. Sage's mangled head would turn towards him, with red-tinged tears streaming out of her eyes, and he'd wake screaming. Earthquakes are a very regular part of life now, and within the first year since Soth was summoned, there was a massive earthquake that created a rift right through the middle of Collinsville. On each Christmas day, to appease Soth, sacrifices must be given. The mayor advises everyone to stay indoors on Christmas Day, apart from a few willing, or perhaps unwilling, volunteers. A deep blue mist rises from the rift and seeps into Collinsville, while homes are filled with the sounds of carols and laughter. Anyone who is so fortunate to inhale this mist is granted new life by the glory of Soth and never seen in Collinsville again. That's awesome. So the two cultists who survived the final ritual have done their epilogues, only one of whom actually survived once the epilogues were done. Sot states that the only people who should be doing the epilogues are the individuals who survived, but you know how much I love my epilogues, so Josh and Aaron, would you like to do one as well, from a general perspective or from the perspective of another character? You know, I think part of me always knew that I might not be there to welcome the new god into this world. But in truth, my hope, I suppose, was, to quote George Washington, to sit under my own vine and my own fig tree and no longer be afraid. The Carruthers' legacy is one of sacrifice and lost. Such is the way, I suppose. The way of Soth. But 
there is a silver lining. You see, Jeeves was always in the fold. For years, he served my family and he also served Soth. My father, he acted as an enforcer to make sure that we, the Carruthers, were always on the straight and narrow path. And if not, well, you were punished. Now, I don't know why he chose to show Myrtle mercy, but refused to show my wife Rosemary the same. Well, I'll never know. But my children, though, mm, by South, they make their father proud. They took their rightful place beside Dottie and led our country into the new world. And still to this day, serve South as proudly and as loyally as their father once did. That's funny. Soth being this all-seeing creature, this behemoth of a deity, all he ever really needed, all he ever really wanted was for you to let him in. But who was to know that one of his many abilities included the ability to see those who won't, who wouldn't, to see those who would not let him in. And those servitors, those big, terrifying beasts of burden, well, they would hunt you down. And humanity tried. By God, did they try to stand up foolishly against his his word, his gospel. But as a non-believer, you weren't uh, long for this world. I'm proud of what I did, and I'm proud of what my children continue to do. And I hope that one day, when they pass on as well, I will be there with the Carruthers family to truly and honestly welcome them home. So I'm going to add uh, sort of to that as the, the world becomes a sort of divided place and it starts to be that whole whole towns, whole places are sort of pro-Soth or anti-Soth and um, eventually Soth decides to, to crush those towns that are anti-Soth by sending acid rain to kill them all. Wow, fair enough, okay. <laughs> so... Years and years after this, in the small but eternal town of Collinsville, the camera opens to Jeeves, still wearing his butler clothes, torn and weathered at this point but still intact. He's holding his duster and seems to be busy dusting the painting on the ground floor of the Collinsville Manor, a painting that has always been kept impeccably clean. A painting of several generations of Crothers, prostrating themselves before a star, giving off a familiar bright blue light. The camera pans away as Jeeves says, Very good, sir. Revealing that the Crothers Manor is just that, a small bit of plastered wall with a painting hanging from it, as Jeeves walks through the graveled remains of his home. If you like what you hear, please connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at dfyt underscore podcast, on Facebook at Don't Forget Your Towel Podcast, and through email at dfytpodcast at gmail.com. If you have a few dollars to spare and you've been liking what you hear, please consider donating to us on Patreon. But if you don't have a few dollars to spare, that's all good too. Just keep listening and like or review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Every single rating goes a long way to helping us increase our reach and to share the RPG love. We would also like to thank our patrons. Benjamin Tay, Adrian, Jesse Wesson, Bonnie Cohen. Thank you all for your support. We could not do it without you. Till next time, keep your towels at the ready. Ready?